2: Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game.
1: You have 47 new voicemails.
2: Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
0: The following is paid commercial programming. The content and opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect those of WSSP, Entercom Milwaukee, its staff, or sponsors. From Lake Michigan to the Mississippi. And every river, lake, and field in between. Let's talk everything outdoors. All aboard! <laughs> You're on the crazy train. All aboard! <laughs> Welcome to the Wacky Walleye Cutting Edge Outdoor Show. Fasten your seatbelts for a wild ride through Wisconsin's outdoors. Only on 1250 AM,
3: The Fan. Well, good morning, everybody, and just want to tell you that we at the Wacky Walleye's Cutting Edge Outdoors want to thank all of our listeners for making us the most listened to two hour live outdoor show in Wisconsin. Dan Bush and me, Tom Neubauer, will take you on an informative and fun ride on the crazy train. We'll discuss fishing, hunting, and other interesting items, so hop on board every Saturday morning from 6 to 8 a.m. here on Sports Radio, 1250 a.m., The Fan. And if you want to be part of the show, since it's live, you can call us at 414-799-1250 or email us live at ceoguys at yahoo.com. Now, that's no hornswoggle. Oh, you don't know what that is? Well, I guess you will just have to stay tuned and wait until about after the 645 break, and then you'll know. Good morning, Danny.
4: Good morning, Tom. So, beer talk yesterday around the campfire with a, a lot of my friends. They all talked about how much they liked the show. But then in the same breath, they say they probably won't be up this morning in time to listen to the
3: show. Why Cause, is that?
4: Because they, they're sitting there drinking beer, Tom. What do you mean,
3: why is that? Oh, I didn't know you were drinking beer. You just said you were talking to your friends. Jeez,
4: Tom. No, they were drinking beer and they oh. said that they would not get up in time for the show.
3: Oh, well, that's I'm up too bad in time for, for, for the show cuz I'm talking to you right now. Oh, well that's too bad for them then they're going to miss out.
4: Well, they'll listen to our uh, <laughs> to the uh, the, you podcast. Know,
3: the podcast.
4: Podcast later yeah. or whatever, yeah.
3: yeah. Yeah. Hey, right away we got an email. Uh, this is from Robert. And Robert says, I want to get a new fish locator. Maybe one with a side view. Any advice? I listen every Saturday. So, do you want to go first?
4: I don't know. You know, they're all good right now. They all cost a fortune, and the technology is going up and up. But I'm going to get a uh, Hummingbird unit uh, with the side imaging for my console. Um, and then for the front, I'm going to get a, a Minkota, Kota, uh, the Ultrex. Uh, Um, trolling motor along with a down imaging Hummingbird in front and then the attachment for the 360. So I'll have the Mega 360. Um, So basically, I'll I'll definitely be looking at the side imaging a lot from the council. And Dave Olson, um, uh, who helps guide with Dale Strohsheim, he's getting kind of the same setup right now. I mean, it's moving so fast. A lot of people are getting the Garmin LiveScope right now, and uh, now Hummingbird is <clears throat> going to be coming out with their own version of that uh, in the near future. But um, I don't know. It's uh, half of this, uh, half a dozen of this, half a dozen of the other. When you're weighing out the options, because you got Lowrance, you got Garmin, you got Hummingbird. Your oh. budget comes into play, and yep. uh, a lot of the stuff, the availability on this stuff right now is limited
3: right well what i would what i would recommend to robert is you know to go to a store that has all of these and there's some of the store big stores around have got all the different brands and you gotta you know hopefully you talk to somebody knowledgeable that can explain because there's little differences among all the different ones and sometimes they have uh a uh, thing on the screen where it shows you uh, what it would look like, you know, I forget, a uh, demo mode. And, uh, you know, because sometimes, you know, some of them might be a little easier to read or harder to read, whatever. And then, like you said, Danny, you got to look at the price, you know, what's going to fit in your budget, you know. So, Robert, I think you got some homework to do, and you're going to have to go and, you know, look at a number of them, see what's going to fit your budget, and see which one you like best, you know. And here's another thing what will fit on your if you're going to do it on the council because you know councils are built differently on a boat so and some of these units because of their size might not fit in an area on your council so you got to take that into uh, play too so that's all i got to say about that
4: yeah, but nowadays, Tom, they, they're they pretty much saying they can make almost any size fit. They got all these attachments and stuff
3: where they That's make true. it That's true, they do, and you got to, yeah. and you know, and like I said, all these councils are different, so you got to figure out where that attachment goes and, you know, all that stuff too, so, you know, it's, it's one of those things that a person's got to put their time in to make sure they get what they like, what they can afford, what they can read, what they can understand, you know, what'll fit. Uh, it's a, it's and and some of these units, like you said, Danny, it's a big outlay of cash, you know.
4: A couple thousand dollars to yeah, one.
3: Yeah, it's a lot. I mean, it's oh. not.
4: It, you might as well forget about budget considerations because they're all going to be expensive.
3: <laughs> yeah. And you they know are, what? Definitely.
4: And they're all going to be good. I mean, they 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 are all pretty good. They're pretty clear. Um, so yeah, I guess it kind of depends. Maybe if you're brand loyal to Lawrence or Garmin or Hummingbird from the past, if you've been satisfied. You stick with it. There was a speaker that was out at the Muskies Inc. Uh, he's got a, he's down near Edgerton. He's a guide. He's got a, I think his guide service is Pike Pole Fishing or something like that. And he actually did a hummingbird presentation. Now you can actually hire him for like a hundred bucks to go on your boat for a couple hours and help you as far as working with the stuff. So here's guys actually charging. Uh, to help you, because as far as understanding it, Tom, uh, that's going to be a learning curve for anybody, man. Yeah. Uh So, yeah. yeah.
3: Well, I know on my son's boat, uh, I mean, the last boat I had was, I don't know, what was that, six years ago, something like that, four, six, five, six years ago. But on my son's boat, he's got a Lowrance hook on his console, and he's got a hummingbird up on the dash i mean excuse me up on up front so you know he's got one of each and they, they both work fine you know they both work fine well then nice. supposedly that hook model has got some side imaging maybe but i i asked him i said well where's the 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 book you know the the, the what do you call the book yeah. you know with the tells you all the about
4: Directions?
3: The yeah, thank you, the, the instruction book. <laughs> uh, he can't find that. So.
4: The manual.
3: <laughs> yeah, the manual. Thank you, the manual. And I yeah. said, well, you're going to have to get one, I said, to figure out, you know, what uh, what it can do more more than just read the bottom, you know. Well, so we'll see well, what nowadays, happens. Maybe you'll find it this t- year.
4: You can just Google, and the yeah, manual will yes. come up online if right, you want. Right, exactly. He okay. could do that. But one thing to consider, too, now... I got the Mincota, along with I've ordered all the stuff. I'm going to get it put in Uh, April 13th. I've got the Mincota, the two locators, uh, the and 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 uh, the hummingbird locators, and it's all under one company now, so it's all networked. In in other words, that the Mincota Ultrax has the transducer built right in to go with the hummingbird, and uh, you can network it all together. And where you enter a GPS waypoint in the front, it'll show up on the console. So nowadays, that's something to take into consideration as well, getting a one-network kind of a system where everything is meant to work together.
3: Yes, exactly. It's important, yeah.
4: Yeah, we've come a long way, Tom, from the fishing buddy, my original locator. Do you remember the fishing buddy? You'd oh, clamp yeah. it onto the side of your aluminum boat and then you'd just slide it right in there and and start it up. It ran on a couple of, I don't know, D batteries.
3: Oh yeah. Yeah. There were yeah, there were a couple of inexpensive. Mine was uh uh oh an Eagle. It was made by Lawrence. It was an Eagle portable locator, flasher, but it could be mounted for a you know, in a boat or portable you know you could use it either way you know on the ice in the boat uh it ran on a couple of uh six volt batteries uh but yeah that, that was the first one i think i had yeah
4: yeah and the fishing buddy was about a hundred dollars i think yeah. a lot of my friends had them and you know i took it up to canada and clamped it onto the side of a boat and uh for a little you know cheap locator it actually worked pretty good i was uh Pretty impressed with the old fishing buddy. But nowadays, you know, the technology's really, really gone. You know, it's really increased. It's amazing what's happening out there. So uh, the problem is is uh, it's pretty expensive, but you almost have to, to keep up with the Joneses. It's almost like you got to do it. Part of me kind of wishes that we never had progressed past the fishing buddy days. And everybody <laughs> would be on the same plane where you had to kind of figure it out a little bit you know, as opposed to seeing them on a locator, looking at a map, looking at the structure and figuring out where they were. Um, well,
3: you know, that's still true, Danny, because just because you see them on the locator doesn't mean you're going to catch them. You know, you still got to get them to bite. And your your basics of fishing are still in play. You know, find the, find the inside weed line, outside weed line, find your drop-offs, find the hard bottom versus soft bottom. You know, that stuff is still in place. still got to know that stuff, you know, uh, the, the other stuff, you know, with the side imaging and all that just adds to that knowledge that you can gain and then figure out, you know, if there's fish there, what can I use to catch them? What will they bite? You know, will they bite anything? You know, sometimes they're just in a negative mood. So yeah, you know, it helps a lot, but it doesn't guarantee success.
4: Yeah, well, the fact that you can see them and know where they're at, you know, you got to know where the yep. pretty girl is sitting so you can go talk directly to her whether she likes your lines or not. Yeah. So, if you can see those walleye's off to the side, you know where they are. Yeah. So, it is a huge advantage, but you are right. Yeah. You know, you got to figure out what's going to, you know, what's going to get them to bite. And um, yeah, so that still fishing skills does come into play, but you sure eliminate a lot of time. Casting around dead water, if you can, you know, locate them that specifically.
3: That That's the important thing, you know, saving the time, casting in dead water. You're exactly right, 100%. Yep. And, and
4: nowadays with these locators, you can enter the spot right on your right on your screen. I, I remember the old days, Tom, did you ever carry a marker buoy with you? Oh, and yeah. And throw it over? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I, Now, I had my first marker buoy was like an orange one, I think, but then I realized that throwing that orange marker buoy out was like telling the whole world that there's a bunch of fish right there. That's so then right. I got a black marker buoy. The problem with the black marker buoy on a cloudy day, windy day, if you get more than 20 yards away from that black marker buoy, it's hard to find the doggone thing afterwards.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, mine were yellow and uh but you know i i mean i did use them every now and then to to show me where the the, the outside weed line was you know and uh, to mark that and but you know after a while i i, I did stop using it once once i had a, a a bow mount locator uh then i stopped using it because then i could see where the outside weed line edge was you know so i stopped using them after a while
4: yeah well i guess not too many guys today are probably throwing marker buoys out anymore.
3: No, I it's doubt all sp- it. I
4: spot doubt lock it. technology, and you can hit the button, and your trolling motor will hold you right there. Oh, uh, I know that's can the coolest take, thing. It can take you right back to a spot. So, um, so yeah, I'm kind of excited. This this summer will be a learning a learning curve. But uh, yeah, anybody out there looking to upgrade their electronics, I wish you luck out there. Now I figure. That my previous electronics at Lawrence lasted me 15 years, and if I buy these electronics now and they last me another 15 years, uh, guess what? That'll be plenty long.
3: Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah,
4: I know what you mean. So at that point, uh, yeah. So at that point, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll be getting a little older at that point, Tom. So yeah, maybe I'll have to, you know, will my boat and electronics to somebody.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Well right now we gotta go to a break, we gotta do a few commercials, we gotta pay a, pay a few bills, and we'll be right back with more right here on the Wacky Walleye's Cutting Edge Outdoors.
4: Cutting edge outdoors. We want to thank all our listeners getting on board the crazy train this morning. And Tom, uh, our friend, uh, my friend, our friend Troy wanted me to mention today being 4321, and I guess that's because it's 4321. Is that uh, kind of a unique date today? I guess so.
3: Oh yeah, yeah, I never thought of
4: it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I didn't, uh, I didn't think of that either, but. It's a countdown oh, well. day. <laughs> yes, yes. And uh, we've got a caller, Tom. Okay. Oh, we got Wally and Muskego.
3: Okay, good morning, Wally.
1: Hello, Wally. Hey, hello. Oh, good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. Bless What's on your mind? You your listeners. Good. Um, you guys were just talking about uh, marker buoys. Yeah. 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 I call them monkey nuts, by the way. A monkey nuts. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, I go to a, a chain of lakes up in northern Wisconsin every year with my family, middle of June. And um, on a couple of lakes, you know, there's a muddy basin, and there's on a couple of the lakes. There's a series of these rock piles, and um, the basin might be, you know, 30 feet, and the tops top off uh, 12 foot, 8 foot, in between there. And these marker buoys are helpful. And in the middle of the week, there's not anybody fishing up there. And it's, well, with GPS, they could find these humps now. But what I do is I throw the marker buoys on the humps. And what you can do is you can know where the top of the hump is, and you you jig around it without having to look at the GPS and all the other nonsense. And if, you know, there's a breeze, you can just kind of... Go with the wind and then start over without using your trolling motor and keeping looking at the locator. So, you know, it's just a relaxing way to do it. I still, I still do it. Yeah, it makes life a little easier. Yeah, I mean, I would never mark a, a weed line with a dozen of them. I mean, I mean that that'd be nuts, monkey nuts, monkey nuts. I guess I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> You're monkey nuts. Anyway, incidentally, you guys were lamenting the other week or so about not being able to fish, find fishing line. That place on Layton, east of the uh, airport, I had occasion to be in there a while ago. They yeah. seem to have everything.
4: So you're talking about uh, Roger's place, the fishing hole.
1: Yeah, that's what it's called. did It used to have another name, but, yeah, that place, I mean, it's a little bit out of the way. I know you uh, guys are in Pewaukee and, what, uh, West Dallas or something. It's a bit out of the way, but if you're out that way, like I said, it looked like they were... Pretty well stacked up.
4: Yeah, he's he's got a good selection, and if you're looking for things like uh, planer boards or clips, attachments, anything related to trolling, uh, he maintains a pretty good selection as well as a lot of rods as well. So, yeah, that's that's a good place. And out here uh, in our neck of the woods, as far as a small shop, Dick Smith's has a great selection as well. So there are some little places out there that you guy can you know still get to and, and hopefully find what you need if you can't get it at the big box store. And actually I'd prefer to support the privately owned places myself and help the small business.
3: Yep. Understand. All right. right. Well, thanks for the call. Thanks for the call. Take care guys. Bye. You too. Bye now. Danny, we, we we got, we got a few minutes before the gut report and I got, I got a question. Okay. I got to ask you and our audience this question now now this now this is a little off topic that doesn't have anything to do with fishing or hunting but i just got to get this out and ask this question why is it why is it guys of any age think that farts are funny but women don't of any age i gotta like like for an example. You know, my wife thinks it's terrible if I pass a little gas or anybody else. But if she does it, that's not funny. Okay. I even got an eight-year-old granddaughter that she thinks that if some, you know, if she does it, it's not funny, you know, or if anybody else does it. And when she does it, she won't let anybody know, even though she's a stinky little kid, you know. But it's just funny how males think it's funny. Females don't think it's funny. You know what I mean?
4: Yeah, well, funny you bring that
3: up, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> Why you had parts on the mind?
4: <laughs> no, I, uh, I, uh, I, I just don't know where. Well, you, I got know, well, nothing, you know what Tom. I
3: mean. I mean it's like Tom, you, I got nothing. You take a, you take like a little kid, a little little boy, right? And you like my little grandson, and you pass gas in front of him. He's laughing his head off, you know. Little girl, oh, no, she gives you a look, gives you the old stink eye, you know, like, what are you doing? You know, and same thing, you know, older guys, you know, I mean, even like my sons and that and me, you know, we think it's hilarious, but women, oh, no, 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 that's not funny. I don't know what the problem is. I think it's funny. <laughs>
4: well, look. Tom, I I never really did.
3: <laughs> I, <laughs> I,
4: I, I'm kind of neutral
3: okay. on the whole thing, dude. You're Switzerland. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, I see, just thought I'd gonna... get it out there. If anybody wants to comment on that, 799-1250 is the phone number. So anyway, go ahead, Danny. Take it away.
4: <laughs> Are you done farting around now?
3: Yep, I'm done farting around. Eight, so, that was a good one. Did you hear about
4: hear a, hear about the story uh, about the uh, the sturgeon eggs? Yes. You did. Yeah. Okay. So the story was, and I think we might have mentioned it last week, that the it was biologist. A while back. In... Yeah. Yeah, the biologist in charge of the... Couldn't have been too long ago because it just happened. The yeah. bio, biologist in charge of the sturgeon program got busted because he was taking some of the sturgeon eggs. And the D, the word... I, I, I looked up some information. Apparently, he... You know, the DNR was taking these eggs to, you know, for research, supposedly. And I guess once they do take the eggs, they're either supposed to... When they're done with their so-called research, they're supposed to destroy them or return them back to the fishermen if they got it from some guy's fish. Okay. But apparently, they were confiscating some, and he was taking it to a caviar processor, Mm -hmm. and in exchange, he got $20,000 worth of caviar. Wow. $20,000 worth of, you know, finished caviar. And, um apparently the caviar processor is a former DNR biologist Mm -hmm. and he's just one of uh he's just one of several Mm -hmm. processors I guess that was involved in this so who knows you know how I mentioned you got twenty thousand dollars caviar in return for the eggs uh who knows you know how much you know was going on with these other other companies uh apparently in 2015 the uh, the guy got 65 pounds worth of eggs, which in turn gets turned into $100,000 worth of caviar.
3: Wow. Apparently,
4: that caviar can go for like $100 an ounce. So wow. I mean, it's really big money, and it's kind of crazy. And apparently, they were actually taking some of this caviar and sharing it with people and this and that. And he's been the only one who was charged. The guy was in charge of the program. I guess there was like a big federal investigation. I think he only got charged with the misdemeanor. But uh, the interesting thing that I heard, and I was listening to uh, one of our other news stations this week, uh, you know, and it's not a hunting and fishing show, but they talk about news along, around the state. Apparently, George Meyer, the former DNR secretary, came out. And said that he should be disciplined, but not necessarily fired, because he's a, you know, a good guy and he does a good job. And several sportsmen's group groups have come on out in in support of him. And then they interviewed Kathy Stepp, who we've we've had on our show many years ago, sure. former DNR secretary, and she came on and said absolutely not, the guy should be fired. And the point being, uh, the radio host I was listening to, and I'll see what you think on it, Tom. Uh, you know, the DNR doesn't have a reputation of saying, oh, golly, gee, you know, you got two over your bag limit, but you're a good guy. Let's just, you know, yeah, don't worry don't about do that. it. Yeah. So you got somebody who is literally supposed to be guarding the resource and he's taking those. I mean, to me, that seems like it should just mean could be a good guy or not, but you mess up like that, that you'd get fired, right? Wouldn't you think?
3: I would think so, because, I mean, it's, I guess you would call that theft, you know. So, I mean, and if you get caught stealing on the job, no matter where you work, they're going to let you go. Yeah, so, I, I, yeah. I,
4: I, I just don't, I just don't quite understand it. I mean, you would think that a person uh, would be smarter than that to know that you can't, you know, you, you, you can't be like stealing from your own company, basically. And you know he's there to safeguard and and uh, but maybe people kind of think, hey, you know, this is a perk of the job. We get a few little eggs on the side here. I kind of like, yeah, no big deal. Just get them, turn them in, get you some, know, you, know, you know, twenty thousand dollars worth of caviar. What's the big deal?
3: Well, twenty grand that's a lot, but I mean, if it was just a few, you know, I mean, if it was just, a, I mean, I don't know. Maybe there's a gray line here. If it was just a, you know, like a small. of them or whatever and and maybe in the the amount after they were made was maybe only a few hundred dollars you know just a little bit i mean that might make a difference but that uh, that, the amount that he was taking that's quite a bit you know
4: i don't know you know it's it it, you know it's kind of funny you know because let's say for example this guy had made a made some post when he was 17 years old on Twitter or something that anything that remount that sounded remotely, you know, phobic or racist in any way, shape or form. And if he made one little inane post when he was 17, the whole world would be calling for him, you know, to be executed at dawn and fired. But if he steals some, you know, to steal some, you know, gets this 20,000 in return. No, well, let's just look the other way on that. So (laughs) I, I don't know the way our world's going as far as how, certain people can rationalize certain behavior while uh, demonizing others. I, I don't know. you Are talking about if it's just a little bit? Well, I mean, I think a little or a lot. Either way, it's the same, same yeah, thing that still you're doing. Appealing.
3: Yep, yep. Hey, uh, before we go to a break, Danny, we got one quick email from uh, listener Paul. And Paul says, when we were growing up, my dad would just tell us to pull his finger and then he would let one go. So, I, I think a lot of us have done that. <laughs> I like yeah. that, Paul. Thank you for that. I appreciate that was it. An,
4: that was an old grandpa thing.
3: That yeah, that was. I, I, hell, I do it to my grandkids. So. You,
4: you know, I don't know. Not, not me. Nope. Never. I never saw the humor in it.
3: No. No. Oh. I don't know. My, one of my grandkids thinks it's funny. The other one doesn't. Anyway, but with that, folks, uh, we, gotta, we gotta. I'm going to ask you to wait and hang around to pull one and uh, <laughs> pull my finger, and uh, we gotta, we'll we we'll be right back with the gut report. So stay tuned for more with Dan Bush and me, Tom Neubauer, right here on the Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors. Come here. I'm going to eat you.
5: I'm bigger than you. I'm higher in the food chain. Get in my belly.
3: The Gut Report is brought to you by Discount Liquor. Well, over the years, folks, I've given you a number of hamburger recipes, but I don't know if I ever give you this burger recipe. It's called the horseradish burger. First of all, you take about a pound of ground beef, uh, or you can use whatever kind of meat you like, but ground beef is the way to go, I think, here. You uh, dice up some onion, a little salt and pepper, uh, a dash of Worcestershire sauce, a tablespoon of ketchup, one to two teaspoons of horseradish. Now, some horseradish is hotter than others, so you'll have to, you know, take into account how how uh, horseradishy you want it. Uh, and then uh, half a teaspoon of ground sage, one egg, and a little milk. Then you put enough breadcrumbs in to so that when you mix it all together, it forms the right consistency to form your burgers. And, of course, just put them on the grill or on the pan and fry them up. A horseradish burger. Yeah, yeah, like I said, it can be hot or it can be mild. That's up to you. The Gut Report is brought to you by Discount Liquor, where you're going to find the best price selection and service at 51st and Oklahoma in Milwaukee and Main Street in Barstow in Waukesha. And I'll tell you, folks, they have got a huge selection, like Danny just said. Of all their different specialty items. But if, you know, for weekly specials, all you got to do is go to discountliquorinc.com.
4: Welcome back to the Wacky Walleye's. Cutting Edge Outdoors, we want to thank everybody out there listening today. We always make it a point to support the badge. We back the badge. Law enforcement, first responders, healthcare workers, military. I'll mention truck drivers again. Uh, Jeez, everybody out there working hard. Uber drivers, working hard, getting us safely from point A to point B. So, you know, if you go on out and celebrate, you don't have to drive, you can call the Uber guy. So thanks to everybody. And especially our listeners. and Tom,, uh, I got a recipe I was gonna send you being yeah. as you're like a fish cooking expert. Um, so I'll ask you this. do you ever bake
3: fish? Oh yeah, you do. Oh yeah, a okay. lot of times yeah.
4: You, you know you do you still deep fry
3: fish? Well, it depends on what we'd like at the time, but mostly we're either doing them um, steamed the brown butter uh, in the pan, or baked. Uh, okay. Probably going a little healthier method now than always, okay. baked, than always that, fried, yeah.
4: That's exactly where I was going with this, because as you know, I and Arizona Joe um, went and caught those crappies on the barge on the great you, you, Mississippi. You mean, you mean the perch? And, perch, I mean, yeah, yeah. perch. Yes, and uh, anyway, I uh, we filleted them up with Joe, and I gave them all of them. That's like gold. I gave him all of them. He took all of them. Well, he, he took them home, and that immediately that night, he sent me a picture of it with his phone, and he says, come on over. I got an extra plate. This stuff's delicious. So when I was over, I never did make it, unfortunately. I'm sure they were great. But he gave me this recipe, and it's a recipe. It says Crappy Scampi, and it's a recipe that was uh, submitted by some Julia Scott in Pennsylvania, he got it out of a book, and it basically calls for, like, 20 crappie fillets, although you could use whatever fillets, right? Right. Pitch fillets, yeah. bluegill fillets, crappie, yeah. same thing. Quarter cup of breadcrumbs, Italian breadcrumbs, two tablespoons minced garlic, one stick of butter, two tablespoons of extra virgin olive oil, one teaspoon of oregano, one half lemon, and salt and pepper to taste. And it says you place the fillets in a baking, baking dish, So it's a healthy one. Baking dish with the butter, melted, in the olive oil, and then you sprinkle with salt, pepper, oregano, and garlic, and you cook 350 degrees for 15 to 20 minutes. And then uh, later you sprinkle the seasoned breadcrumbs over them, and I guess they're just unbelievable. And that's how he made the perch. So this looks like a fantastic recipe. I think I'm going to try this. I'm going to have to catch some uh, Pewaukee bluegills here and try this recipe because it sounds a lot better. Well, maybe not a lot, but better, but healthier than frying it. Put it that way.
3: Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I know. I know. Oftentimes, uh, the the brown butter bit recipe I use is done in a pan, but but sometimes we'll just put fish, you know, in the oven and uh, bake them, you know, and and you know, with a number of different, you know, we can change it up with as far as seasonings and toppings and whatever, you know. But yeah, it is a healthier way to do it, without a doubt, without a doubt.
4: Um. Uh, along uh, another line here the uh, Pewaukee chapter I talked to Tom kep yesterday and uh, the Pewaukee chapter of Wallace for tomorrow is out there in conjunction with the DNR and they've got the they've got the nets out there uh, apparently they've generally been getting mostly males a few females uh, but they figured with this warm weather this weekend uh, it should get the females out ready to go so right now I guess they've gotten you know on the first day they had one or two semi-ripe females but they weren't 100% ready and they're not trying to force any you know force out any of the eggs but uh, they're figuring that they should be going pretty soon and uh, they're set up over by Rocky Point and you can uh, you know drive on over there and check it out in fact he was actually talking to me about they've actually had you know school kids come on out there sometimes like uh, field trips and so forth. So it's a real interesting operation. But once again, Tom and the local club are, are doing a lot out there, and apparently they've gotten some muskies and pike in the nets as well. So it's pretty interesting.
3: Yeah, that is. And walleyes for tomorrow has done a fantastic job. The turnaround of Pewaukee Lake with the walleye population is just is just fantastic. What what an organization can do you know, when they put their mind to it. And they've, got, and they've got, you know, volunteers that are willing to give up their time to go and do that, which is very important, you know. So uh, my hat's off to those guys. You do a great job.
4: Um, another, uh, another announcement here. I got something in the mail uh, from the, about the NRA. Now, I've talked a little bit about in the past how I joined GOA, Gun Owners of America, because I was a little disappointed with Wayne LaPierre, the, the guy uh, who's like uh, in charge, you know, spending tens if not hundreds of thousands of dollars on personal expenses on trips and this and that, and I guess guaranteeing himself a $17 million pension. <laughs> so I kind of started thinking, and I might be off on those numbers a little bit, but it's it's up there, and I'm thinking, you know, here I am, Joe Schmo, sending in my $35 to protect my gun rights, and you got people kind of abusing it now. They still, the NRA is still out there fighting for us, so I'll still probably give to them. In fact, I think you can give to their Institute for Legislative Action and make donations to them. I'm kind of thinking maybe if you just donate that as opposed to just your membership fees, maybe the money goes more directly to actual activities, but they are going to be in Wisconsin, Tom. Uh, It says... uh, Dear NRA member, join the NRA-ILA Wisconsin team on Saturday, April 10th, next week, for an important day of informative sessions about the Second Amendment. The event will feature various seminars and topics such as state and federal legislation, grassroots activism, and firearm education and training. For more information, visit www.nrailafrontlines.com. Uh, it's going to be held at the, uh, Brookfield Conference Center, 325 South Moreland, Brookfield, Wisconsin, continental breakfast, light refreshments, registration starts at nine. So you gotta re- you gotta reserve a spot. So I guess space is limited. So might be something interesting to do if you're not out fishing or hunting next week. Um, maybe check into that.
3: Yeah. Well, I'll tell you this weekend is going to be a beautiful weekend for fishing, and one of my sons, uh, he he wanted uh, to go to uh, Delavan Lake. Now at the south end of Delavan Lake, you got two channels that this time of year, depending on the weather and the water temperature and all that stuff, uh, is just loaded with crappies and bluegills, especially the crappies, and darn nice ones too. The only problem, I told him, I says, yeah, you know you can go there, but you're going to be fighting with I don't know how many other boats are got the same idea and are going to be in those little channels, those two little channels. And I said, to tell you the truth, I'd rather not go there. I'd rather go to a different lake and look for the crappies on lakes that we already know. Let's say like a lake like Okachi, which has got a great crappie population, a place like Nagawika has got a great crappie population. I mean, I'd rather go to another lake that has less pressure you know, fewer, fewer people in areas. I mean, that on the south end of Del- Delavan, I'll tell you, in those channels, they can get pretty tight with a lot of boats back there. And you know what? That's just not for me. That's not my kind of fishing. That's, that's no fun when guys are casting literally into your boat, you know. So I, w- I told them, I said, I don't want to go. But this is going to be a great weekend for fishing. There's a lot of warm weather this weekend. So it, it ought to be good. That be good.
4: Well, what you talk about as far as, I, I and I had a talk with several friends about this this week. Um, you know, as you know, I went and did, had the barge experience where I went there and got there on a rainy afternoon and found a good spot and caught fish right away. But then the next day, once word got out that everybody was catching fish, you know, we got there 8 in the morning and you couldn't even get a spot on the barge. You know, well, well you got a spot, but you got a crummy spot where, You wouldn't catch a doggone thing, and there was just certain spots where people were catching the fish. So, you know, I guess you got to fight crowds. I guess whether you're you're in a boat on the Wolf River or you're on a barge. But I think Tom, what you got to do is you got to fish strategically. Now, not everybody's fortunate where they can go during a weekday, but I think if you can go during a weekday, like on a Wednesday, middle of the week. And, you know, like I think I talked about this last week where you avoid the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday weekend crowd and you avoid the, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday crowd. People do those long weekends on either end. Pick your time strategically and maybe if it's not going to affect the fishing negatively, maybe you got to be tough sometimes and go on the day that's not bright and sunny. Maybe you got to go on the day when it's a little little windier, or a little bit of rain, you know, as long as you're dressed and prepared for it, and pick your spot strategically where you don't have to fight the crowds.
3: Yeah, like I've always said, Danny, the best time to go fishing is any time you can. And with that, folks, if you want to win a $10 gift certificate to Carl's Country Market over there on Menominee Falls on the corners of uh, Pilgrim Road and Silver Spring, I said, oh, if you... Well, you're going to have to play the Schwaggle, which is coming up next. So if you want to be a contestant in the Hornschwagel, call 414-799-1250. Get two out of three answers correct, and you'll be the lucky winner. So call now, 414-799-1250, and we'll be right back with the horn
4: Welcome back to the Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors. I'm Dan Bush along with Tom Neubauer, And uh, thanks for listening. We've got our famous horn schwaggle segment right now, the much anticipated world famous contest. And do we have a contestant there, Sam? Yep, yeah, we got Joe and Brookfield today. Joe and Hello, Brookfield. Morning, gentlemen. Joe. Doing Morning. good. Okay. Guys, so you know how this start works, off with Joe. A question?
3: It seems like everybody's talking at the same time.
5: (laughs) Hey, I got a question for you, too. May I?
3: Yeah. Sure.
5: How many years have you been doing
3: this show together now?
5: Because I've been listening to you guys for a long, long time. It's got to be about 13
1: or 14 years, Danny. It's been a long
3: time, Tom. We're going to have to ask Mike McGivern when
1: we first started. He would have that
3: information.
4: I, yeah, that's, you're right, Joe. It's been a long time. But time flies when you're having fun, buddy.
5: I hear you, brother.
4: So keep yeah, up the and, good work. We appreciate you guys doing what oh, you that's, do. You're yeah, right. And thanks for staying out there and listening and keep telling friends. So here we go. I got the horn Hornswoggle. A little bit of history, Joe. A little bit of history. So here we go. Okay. okay the teddy bear. The teddy bear, the name teddy bear, actually did originate with President Teddy Theodore Roosevelt, hornswoggle or no hornswoggle?
5: Hornswoggle.
4: Uh, actually, that's a oh. no hornswoggle. Yeah, I knew <laughs> that.
3: No hornswoggle, so, that's
1: Now right.
4: listen, a little history, guys. I'm going to kind of edumacate all you guys. So like, what happened was Roosevelt was hunting in Mississippi with the legendary guide Holt Collier. Holt Collier was a legendary hunter, killed his first bear at age 10. He actually was born a slave, I believe. Uh, But then he uh, managed to become a a great hunter, killed more than 3,000 bears. And the story is Collier's dogs bait a bear, and he bugled for Roosevelt to come and shoot it. But before he could get there, the bears killed one of Collier's dogs. Collier didn't want to shoot the bear, so he hit it over the head with his rifle bending the barrel, which maybe kind of like dazed the bear, because then Collier lassoed it, tied it to a tree so it wouldn't escape, so Roosevelt <laughs> could come and shoot it. So when Teddy showed up, he wasn't going to – Teddy Roosevelt was a great sportsman. He wasn't going to shoot a bear that was tied up. And there go. popular legend says it was a cub, but I guess it was an adult male bear. And uh, basically – what happened was somebody did a political cartoon showing, you know, showing this uh, showing this kind of, uh, you know, this scene with the bear tied up and Teddy Roosevelt. Somebody saw the pol- political uh, cartoon in the Washington Post. And so then this one dude created a, a teddy bear that he put in his shop window with the sign that said Teddy's Bear. And then he later got permission from Roosevelt to use the name. So th- thus the teddy bear was born. Impressive. Kind of, hard, kind of hard to believe a guy could rope a bear. This Collier sounds like he was an impressive dude. Okay, so now you're you're all for one. That's the bad news. The good news is, Joe, you still if you get that next two correct, you're still in the money. So here okay, we go. Okay, luck. Go. I'm wishing you luck. Listen carefully. The great African novel, Death in the Long Grass, was written by famed author charles schultz
5: ah uh, that's orange hornswoggle all
3: right <laughs> i think charles schultz wrote of uh, Char- what was his name peanuts
4: Peanut. peanuts peanuts uh, mm-hmm. there we there we go and uh let's see here let's uh the third one here oh okay we're on famous writers right charles schultz another famous writer william faulkner actually was a hunter and wrote some stories about hunting. William Faulkner wrote stories about hunting and was a hunter himself. Hornschwaggle or no Hornschwaggle?
5: Tom, can you help me out?
3: (laughs) No, I can't do that. I'm sorry. You can't phone a friend.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He was. William Faulkner, man, he's so—that's uh, a tough one. I'm gonna
4: say he was, you know, he was—he did grow up down south where there was a lot of hunting going on.
5: Yeah, I would say that—that's uh, a true story.
4: Okay, so that's a. Hornswoggle? or horn- no hornswoggle. No hornswoggle. No hornswoggle. Okay, you got it. Give a ring there, Sam. All righty. Yeah, maybe I cheated a little bit, gave Joe a little help, but he's been a good listener for 13 years. So what the heck, Joe? Leave that's your name and address. We'll get you a $10 certificate for Carl's Country Market.
5: Gentlemen, we all love you. Take care. Thank you. All right. Thank take you. care. God
3: bless. All right. Oh, that's yes. nice. You know, I always like it when I'm at the store, at Sherpers and Hale's Corners, when somebody says, you know, without ever saying anything to me, before they leave, they'll say, I'll be listening to you tomorrow. You know, it's just nice to know that, you know, people are listening, you know, and uh, and it is true. We, we got a huge audience, not just in the state, but other states, you know, uh, we get calls from other states as well, so... That's pretty cool, Nanny, Pretty cool.
4: Yeah, and uh, I think you were the one that uh, told me about uh, the teddy bear being named after Teddy Roosevelt years ago. The information that I got is in the latest American Hunter magazine. It's really interesting how some yeah. of that uh, some of that history went down.
3: Right. I'm a little i a little uh, leery about the guy uh, tying up a full grown male bear. I, I I could see a cub, but not a not a not a not a like a two, three, four hundred pound bear. You
4: well, know? you know, but the problem, Tom, is most bear aren't two, three, four hundred pounds. And especially down south, uh, you know we got bigger bear up here, so I mean, you could have an adult bear that maybe weighed 150 pounds. Uh, it does sound kind of far-fetched. Um, it, it said popular legend says it was a cub, but it was an adult male bear. The objection was to the fact that the bear was tied up, not that it was too small. Right. Uh, and then apparently the bear was injured enough that somebody else had to put it down. But, uh, Roosevelt.
3: You did say that he hit it over the head with a, with his rifle.
4: With his rifle. Uh, Roosevelt was so impressed with this guy Collier that apparently he gave him a Winchester rifle hunted with them again in 1907, and actually the Holt Collier National Wildlife Refuge in Mississippi is named in his honor. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, but when they did the political cartoon, um, it was a cartoon by Clifford Berryman in the Washington Post, November 16, 1902, and the, the political cartoon was titled Drawing the Line in Mississippi, which erroneously showed the bear as a small, pathetic cub. So apparently, they must have done a political cartoon with like a little tiny bear tied up, and Teddy yeah. Roosevelt maybe drawing the line that he wasn't going to shoot it. But yeah, uh,
3: and and like you said, who would want to shoot a tied-up animal? You know, that I mean, that that's no sport in that. You know
4: that. Yeah, yeah, but when you think about it, Tom. Um, I've never done any hound hunting behind hounds either for black bear or a mountain lion. Uh, I had a friend of mine many years ago, he had a mountain lion that he shot with his bow. He went out west and uh and shot one with his bow. He had some an outfitter with with dogs and you know they tree those mountain lions. I guess they're not all that hard to kill. You can get close enough and shoot them in the head with a 22 pistol or a You know, you don't need a magnum rifle. Sometimes they shoot them in the lungs and just kind of wait for them to drop. And, uh, you know, I guess the shooting part isn't really all that sporting necessarily when you think about it. I guess the sport is probably in the chase and the amount of effort, you know. So there's probably a lot of fat guys out there that would never be able to get up to the tree with that bear or that mountain lion anyway. So that's where the actual you know work comes in. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, certainly, you know, but but you know, when you think about it, you talk about hunting, fair chase, we could go get into a whole discussion about how today's hunting shows, to me I get a little disgusted if you see somebody who's supposed to be the demigod of hunting and fishing and they own some huge property somewhere with food plots and blinds sitting there, and they got them on trail camera, and they got the name. They name the deer of the one they want to shoot, and they sit there and wait, you know, for the thing to come, and they're in there, you know, it's, it's it's like shooting. It's not like hunting. I mean, it's like going to the rifle range, and they're laying across the rest. And uh, to me, I, you know, where's the challenge in that necessarily? So there's a lot of things that sometimes kind of bother me as far as, What's what's really sporting and what's not as far as hunting's concerned.
3: Oh, I agree a hundred percent. And uh, right now we gotta go to the top of the hour break. And so stay tuned, folks. There's a whole nother hour to come right here on the Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors.
0: The following is paid commercial programming. The content and opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect those of WSSP, Entercom Milwaukee, its staff or sponsors. From Lake Michigan to the Mississippi. And every river, lake, and field in between. Let's talk everything outdoors. All aboard! <laughs> You're on the crazy train! All aboard! <laughs> Welcome to the Wacky Walleye Cutting Edge Outdoor Show. Fasten your seatbelts for a wild ride through Wisconsin's outdoors. Only on 1250 AM, The Fan.
3: Well, folks, for those of you who are with us in the first hour and continuing with us in the second hour, thank you very much. And for those of you just tuning in, welcome aboard the Crazy Train. Get your tickets punched right here and sit back and enjoy another hour here in the Wacky walleyes cutting edge outdoors with Dan Bush and myself, Tom Newbauer. And, you know, we come to you every Saturday morning from 6 to 8 a.m. We're live. And uh, so you, you know, can be part of the show live. And if you want to do that, all you got to do is call us at 414-799-1250 or email us live at ceoguys at yahoo.com. And, Danny, we got an email that's directed to you.
4: Okay, good. All right,
3: this is from Forrest. Uh, He says, good morning, Dan. So I would like to ask: When someone is fishing, hunting, or other outdoors, when does another person's harassment cross the line? When does a person say enough and get law enforcement involved? Think spring walleye interactions. Also, want to let your viewers know: viewers, forest? No, I think those are listeners.
1: But anyway,
3: I'm I'm, I'm splitting hairs there. But anyway, I also, also want to let your listeners know that. Daily or annual fishing permits are now required to fish off the pier at Winniconnie. Tried to call in, going to clean walleye, and then going to driftless fly fishing. And that's from Forest. So, you know, Danny, i got to tell you, you know, when he talks about uh, altercations, harassments, or whatever, if you go to YouTube and just type in fishing fights or something like that, I'll tell you what, there's a lot of people who live on the shores of lakes and that who don't like people fishing around their piers, let's say, their water, as they would call it. Uh, it there's a lot of them on YouTube, you know, where people, you know, and sometimes well, police are involved, yeah.
4: Well, I know last year um, I did hear a story of a fight on the Winnie Connie Bridge, I believe it was, uh-huh. And I'm trying to think if my brother was the one who saw the fight, but there was some stuff that went down there last year. And I'm gonna have to get a hold of Forrest and find out what he might be referring to something else that might have happened recently. I got to find out whether there's been some experience that he had. But I know the story I heard, you know last year, I believe it was last year, that law enforcement did actually, did actually get called. So, you know, if you're referring to altercations where people are fighting over spots on the bridge and uh, wanting to punch each other out, I mean, I told you how I was on the barge, and uh, second day, I mean, I couldn't get, the spots were all taken, so I wasn't going to be that guy to try and squeeze my way in there and force my way in. I'm trying to be courteous. On the other hand, you don't want to be that guy who tries to take up two spots? You know what I mean, two spaces. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, so so yeah, I, I, you know this time of year fishing can get busy. Even like people in boats, you know they get close enough where they can, you know, walk boat to boat. Well, what's 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 the rule on as far as what's courteous and what's not courteous? I think we've all got we've all got stories. Uh, I've had two situations altercations in my life. Uh, where I was out fishing, and one was fishing off Rocky Point uh, with a sucker. And we had a muskie that every time we pulled up the sucker, the, there was a 40-inch muskie like for an hour. would just It wouldn't hit it, but it would be on it. And there was a guy in a boat, and uh, he just got closer and closer and closer, and he had a kid with him, uh, and he just got... A little bit. So he got so close, and I, you know what, being as being as he had a kid with them, I, I don't believe I said something about it. I I wanted to, and just say, hey, you know, uh, you know, a little bit of courtesy would be appreciated. I did do that trolling one time. There was a guy who used to troll spoon plugs out in Pewaukee. And I'd be trolling some planer boards and trying to follow a depth contour and this guy would zig and zag and zig and he'd do I'd do everything I could I to try and go way around this guy and he still cut right across my lines. So when I went to get my line because he was untangling the line, I, I walked, I, I drove up to him in the boat and I said, Hey, I said, I know you got your way of trolling. And he came back as well as do you. I said, but, you know, just a little common courtesy would be appreciated. I said, just a little courtesy. You know, I tried going around you, and that's all I said. I, I could have started swearing at the guy, but I think I made him feel cheap by just being nice to him and saying, you know, just a little courtesy, and he never bothered me again. So I think in situations like that, the, you know, a soft answer turneth away wrath according to the Bible and if you're kind to your neighbor you heap or your enemy you heap coals of fire on them so, on him. So you gotta you know I think how you can approach it, but there is a line where sometimes you gotta say something.
3: Yeah and you know you see a number of this these things happen at boat launches. Um, you know you, you see we I mean I remember one time at the DNR launch on Pewaukee Lake, a guy. You know, there's a line of people waiting. I was next in line to launch a boat, and there was a line of people waiting. And, no, no, I take it back. It was at Okachi. It was at the Okachi boat launch. And the guy, he pulls his boat out of the water, but he stops right in the middle of the launch, and he starts wiping down his boat. And I could not believe it. He couldn't pull, you know, up into a parking spot and wipe down his boat. He had to do it right there in the middle of the launch, and he's, and you know, when I was younger, I was a little bit more of a hothead, and, you no. know, what, <laughs> and I, got no, not car. you, Tom, I got out of the car and nicely asked him if he would move his boat, okay, maybe I'm exaggerating, maybe it wasn't so nice, but uh, I told him what I thought of him stopping in the middle of the launch to wipe down his boat when he could do it, 100 feet away and let other people you know get in so huh. but
4: no well, speaking I, huh? speaking of piwaki i think we have tom Kep on the line from piwaki
3: oh, great excellent let's hey, go him. good morning tom hey good morning guys how you doing good,
2: we're good.
4: doing good i was tom i was talking about the walleye operation out there a little bit you got some walleyes ready to pop can you tell us what's going on this weekend
2: yeah, actually, it's uh, with this warm weather, I'm expecting it to start exploding in this next week. So you want to catch some big walleyes now. They're running. We're hitting about 43, probably hit 44 degrees. And we got 230 walleyes yesterday in the nets. We got 10 nets out. Only two of them were ripe females. And it's all going to start now. We're going to be gathering them, bringing the big females in and getting the eggs out of them or at least the ones over 18 processing the eggs which we call liquid gold and then get the young males that are ready to go anytime you remember being 18 and 20 right (laughs) yeah yeah we're gonna fill the wagon up
4: so let me ask you tom uh i went with you guys years ago i want to say maybe even six years ago and uh I I saw two 10-pound class walleyes that were caught that day, big, ripe females. Uh, Question, uh, do you get those every year? Do you anticipate getting something like that this year?
2: Yeah, we usually get something 28, 29, 30. And they release a lot of eggs, but they're not as healthy as the younger ones, of course, but you get a lot of eggs out of them. But, yeah, we see them. It's just the numbers have gone down over the years, as you know, the walleyes, you know, the bigger class fish. But now, geez, there's, you know, 12-inch to probably getting up to 21-inch uh, last five years class of fish.
4: And it's interesting now, the walleye wagon, if somebody doesn't know exactly what that is, what, tell us. Tell them what, what the walleye wagon's about.
2: Yeah, it's like uh, the, the walleye wagon, wally wagon, I call it. Um, is uh, just a like a 20 foot trailer, like a pull behind square trailer that's got we got now 22 jars in it. They're the hatchery jars that we put eggs in, and you basically have pumps that are hanging off a pier that are pumping the lake water in through the hatchery. There's about <clears throat> a gallon per minute flowing through each jar in there, and you get the we bring the eggs uh, the the walleyes, both the male and female, in. We separate them. We We milk the eggs out of the the females when they're ready to go. We don't force anything. They're ready to go, and they, like, getting the eggs out of them. And then we get the milk from the males, and we mix it up and, and add a little water in it to activate them and get them going. And then we put a little clay betonite into the mix, and then you let them harden. You bring them into the walleye wagon, and then we put these eggs in these jars and basically let the water run through them about a gallon, about a gallon per minute and it's just kind of rolling the eggs in the jars just like if they were out on the rock bar you know with the waves hitting them just kind of rolling the eggs and takes about 22 days before they hatch in the fry and then they'll they'll pump out of the wagon into a big tub and we'll let them sit in there and grow a little bit in a day or two and then take them out in the center of the lake where all the so plankton is on the top surface of the water, top 18 inches, and they feed on that, and then they get their swimming, you know, get the, start swimming vertically, and then they go down, and we try to get them down there somewhere safe. You always got your perch, and, you know, Pewaukee's loaded with panfish, so getting them out and in a safe environment, you're hoping to get a percentage to survive. So it's a portable fish hatchery is what it is.
4: You know, it's it's really interesting, Tom, and I was out there, and you've said you've had school groups come on out there and take it take a look, and you guys are out on Rocky Point. So I'd encourage any of our listeners, you know, if you want to see something pretty cool, uh, go and check it out. And the other thing too now, Tom, um, you know, this all takes money to run an operation like this. And, you know, you, the Pewaukee chapter, you know, it, tell a little bit as far as how people can help support you here.
2: Yeah, we it's uh, you know becoming a member. It's just twenty five bucks a month. You know we've had such a good group of people, and I'm talking a whole Waukesha County, Milwaukee area even support the group. Even just being a member at twenty five bucks, what that does is help get more walleyes in the lake. So when you're going out and enjoy fishing, you actually catch them, and kids are catching them and happy as heck. Uh, it's just Pewaukee chapter of walleyes for tomorrow, and PO boxes one, two, three. Milwaukee, Wisconsin, pretty easy to remember (laughs) and uh, send a check in. If you want to come send, you know, if you wanted to just donate, that's fine. If you want to just be a member, that's fine. If you want to go get your hands on a 30 inch walleye, come on down. We let everybody come out. Anyone that wants to go out and help with the nets and scoop the walleyes, we let them, you know, we kind of try to have them be members, love to have kids doing it. And you're right. We brought, School kids in sixth, seventh, and eighth grader science class have microscopes, you know, and magnifying glasses, and it's just awesome to see. You know, once they eye up in the jars, you can actually see their eyes in the egg, and then they hatch and they're trying to swim up the jar and stuff, and it, it's pretty pretty cool.
3: Now, so, Tom, um, oh, this it's is like Tom. a science lab out there. Yeah, Tom, you 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 said. $25 a month. I think you meant $25, oh, $25 a year. $25 right? a year. I'm sorry. Yeah. Thanks. For well, that's all right. I that. just yeah. didn't want to confuse months. anybody. Yeah. Well,
4: Tom, Tom I want to. We got to go to break, but I want to thank you for calling. And you I, I want to say it. And I want to thank you on the air for all that you do. People don't know the amount of work that you've put in over the years. And I know a lot of fishermen really appreciate it. And uh, keep up the good work, buddy.
2: Hey,
3: Walleye's baby. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. I know. All right, right, that was a nice call there. So, uh, anyway, with that, we got the 7.15 break. Folks, we'll be right back. You're listening to Dan Bush and Tom Neubauer right here on the Wacky Walleyes, Cutting Edge Outdoors. We'll be right back.
4: Back to the Wacky Walleyes, cutting edge outdoors. Hey, a couple of things, guys. At 7:30, I believe uh, Dale Stroshine from the Wacky Walleyes Guide Service is going to give us a call, talking about the Bay of Green Bay. Uh, we also, uh, you know, want to thank our listeners as usual. And and Tom, I want to mention one thing too. You know, we thank our listeners. They thank us for the show. But uh, I'd like to say special thanks to Sam on the board, our producer in the studio. You know, he's the one doing the real work, answering the calls, hitting the buttons. So Sam does a great job. And actually, you know, we've been with the station a long time. I'd like to thank everybody there at 1250 from Mike McGivern to Sparky to Rami. I remember Rami was there in the mornings with us many, many years ago when we first started. And uh, it's been a great time over the years uh, keeping this show going.
3: Yeah, I agree, without a doubt. And uh, we got another email, Danny, uh, from Forrest again. I I sent it to you, by the way. I forwarded it to you. Uh, And uh, Forrest says, It happened yesterday. He sends a photo. And it says, uh, Casting line, somebody was casting line purposely between his son and himself across his boat with a three quarter ounce lead sinker. And it could potentially take an eye out, and the photo shows you know the distance between boats now in the photo, it looks like the boat is much boat is much further away, but I think that's because of how it was taken and all that, but you can cast a three quarter round sinker pretty darn far, so uh I guess uh Forrest was not too happy about this guy doing what he was doing
4: no, no, that's uh. You know that's that's always kind of a problem, you know. And
3: and uh, now, I don't know. Oh, yeah. I got another email here. Oh, okay. This is from Ken. Ken says many property owners dislike fishermen, especially since they started skipping lures under docks. Lures stuck to piers, buried into seats of a property owner's pontoon boats, makes owners hot. Now, Ken, I agree 100% with you. That's why. I have always, always said, don't leave a calling card, meaning, because I like skipping under docks too, and sometimes there's on something under the dock that your that your hook gets stuck. I, I never had a hook in somebody's uh, boat seats. I'm, I'm, come on, Ken, I'm a little better than that, but anyway, I'm joking, of course. Um, but the thing is, is that if you do get hung up under somebody's dock make every effort you can to get it back don't just break your line and leave it there because you know that boat dock's got to be taken out at the end of the year and you don't want somebody getting a hook in them when they're taking out their dock so you know take every effort you can to get that hook back get that lure back you know so you don't leave that calling card that you were there well at least that's what i always do and i hope other people do too
4: it's just you know people just need common courtesy in this world exactly I mean, even, you know, Forrest talks about somebody casting across your boat. Well, you don't want to be throwing a bait or something with hooks over somebody's head. That's, yeah. that's not necessarily a good idea. Yeah, that's uh, and crazy. then, short, sure, and people, if you're in a boat, it makes sense. You don't leave a lure on on the pier. Now, some of the bass pros like you guys. I mean, you guys are always skipping underneath a pier, and musky guys will try and fire some casts too, and you get pretty good where you might never, if rarely, get stuck on a pier. But when it does happen, you got to be courteous. I saw one online video, Tom, of uh, some young guys. They were out fishing. They looked like maybe 18 to 20 years old. And there was some lady, and they were out fishing in front of a pier, and they weren't even skipping under the dock, but they... uh, some lady came out on the pier and asked them to leave. And they're like, no, we're we're just out here. We're just fishing. We're not hurting anything. And she actually got crazy. I mean, it got nuts. You know, I, another, not to get you going on this subject, because Lord have mercy, we don't want to get you going too much on this one, but I was talking to a guy at Park Avenue Pizza. Oh, by the way, I want to announce Park Avenue Pizza Saturday Night Trivia is back. So get in there tonight for Saturday Night Trivia at Park Avenue Pizza and get yourself a nice pizza, although they don't have the heart-shaped Valentine's Day pizzas anymore. Um, But anyway, I was talking to a guy there, and he told me a story, and I'm going to have to try and talk to him again and get the details how he was on North Lake, and he was in, I think, a boat in front of a property, or he might have been waiting, I don't know. Either way, somebody actually called the police on him, (laughs) <laughs> and when the local police came out, they actually responded and the police were actually kind of giving him a hard time. And he said to him, he said, okay, I want you to call a warden right now. You tell me what I'm doing wrong. What law am I breaking? If I'm breaking a law, I'm glad to say I won't do it. But you tell me what I'm doing that's wrong right now. And as far as what I heard, the, the you know, the... Police officer was ah-ba-da-da, could not come up with anything. Um, so, yeah, sometimes I think some of the locals, uh, maybe the ones that think it's their lake, you know, they, they try and bully and intimidate people sometimes, I think.
3: Yeah, I've, I've, I've run into that myself over the years, you know. I mean, I remember one time on Nagawik, uh, uh a friend and I were coming by, and we were going to, you know, fish in front of this guy's dock, and he saw us, and he walked out with his dog to the end of the dock, and he picked up his dog and threw it in the lake in front of us so that we couldn't fish under his dock, you know. And, uh, I, I mean, I said something to him like, uh, we wouldn't have been here long, or I don't know what I said. I said something nice, actually. It was nice, you know. But I couldn't, you know, believe that, you know. And Some people, they just get upset, you know. And And it's funny, like, it's, Certain people on certain lakes that whenever you go there, it seems like they're watching for people, you know. I can tell you of a few spots like on Okachi Lake, Nagawika, and there's a few other places where I, th- I swear to God, those people, all they do all day is wait and wait for somebody to come by and fish and by their dock, you
4: know. <laughs> well, there apparently there was some crazy guy on Pewaukee a couple of years ago um, on the West End that was shining laser lights at people's, Head,
2: yeah,
3: I remember that. Yes, I remember that. I think
4: that. that dude got a ticket. Uh, there was a story yeah. up in the Sister Bay area, I believe it was, where some rich landowner was getting all wound up about people fishing on the bay. You know, they catch smallies. You can go fish smallies in the spring and go, go down any shoreline up there, and if you work pier to pier and all along that shoreline, you're going to find smallmouth scattered sporadically everywhere around there. Yeah. Um, but there was some guy, I think he was throwing rocks at people or something. jeez. Oh, you know, guy was getting kind of wild. So uh, That's another crazy. story, brother, here's a story of my brother. A couple of years ago, he found a spot up on the Bay of Green Bay where actually it, it, it's there's a park there and it's little known, but you got public access where you can walk out and fish from shore so my brother had his waders and he parked his car and walked out there well there's a house right next door and the guy come out of his house now this is night fishing for walleyes and he just walked right up and stood glaring at my brother in the dark and my brother said hey how you doing guy didn't say anything so, uh, a little bit later, my brother made a comment, guy didn't say anything. And the guy just stood there with his arms folded, just staring at him. And this, had, this went on for about an hour. And finally by about, I don't know, 11 o'clock midnight, my brother just thought, you know, this guy seems like a nutcase. He's going to shoot me in the back or something. And, and he left and the guy never said a word. Guy never wow. said a word, but the guy was trying to be, trying to be an ass basically. And, uh. And and trying to, you know, now I've wanted to go back with my brother with my carried concealed permit, of course. And but then I thought, no, no, I'm not going to go and try and get into it with this
3: guy. But that's right. It wouldn't be worth it. it. Wouldn't be worth it. You know, the best story I remember about a confrontation didn't involve me, but it involved a friend of mine. And a lot of people might I maybe I should use his name. Maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I won't. But, um, yeah, I don't want to, well, it wouldn't get him in trouble. But he was a guy who didn't take any crapola from anybody, okay? And we were fishing on Lake Wisconsin in these channels. And he I guess he was going by this channel. And uh, a guy, and these are narrow channels. They're not real wide. And he had casted out a line across the channel. You know, had a bobber out. Well, you know, the, guy, the guy's house is on the left, the bobber is on the right, and, and this fellow was going down the middle. I'll just call him Mike. How's that? Just Mike. Mike's going down the middle. Well, the guy comes running out on his dock and starts hollering at Mike that, uh, hey, you're going across my line. And Mike says, I, I didn't see your line. Where, where's your line? What are you talking about? And he says, well, look over there. And across the channel is the bobber. And Mike, Mike says, hey, sorry about that, but, you know, you've got your line across the channel. People can't see it. You know, what, what are we supposed to do? You know, we can't see it. And the guy gave him some lip, said something like, yeah, you talk big because you're out in the boat and all that, you know, and, and said something nasty. And Mike said, oh, really? I'll tell you what. Why don't you wait right there? I'll come over. And Mike hit his electric motor and started going over to the guy's dock as soon as he'd done that. As soon as Mike did that, the guy ran up into his house. <laughs> I hey, know. that was a good one. Yeah,
4: we we got we got two minutes before break, but I think we got a quick. I think we got time for one quick caller, and then we'll have Dale okay. after seven thirty. Right. I believe. All right, real quick, let's go to Mike the Painter in Milwaukee.
2: Mike in Milwaukee. Yeah. Good morning. Hey, good Mike. morning, guys. Yeah, I got a, a fishing story about that. Me and my buddy, we were fishing on the Fox, and we started pulling in a couple of walleyes. And, you know, you're fishing from shore. You know, you, you separate yourself, right? You know, good six feet or so. This guy sees us catching these walleyes, you know, an Asian guy, comes and goes right between us, starts casting. We didn't say nothing to him until he snags our line.
5: We're like, sir,
2: now this is why you don't go in between us. There's proper fish etiquette. You just don't do those things. Just like those guys tossing dogs in the water. You just don't do stuff like that. That's
4: right. The, uh, it's, it's, it's something. It's and I, it. I've, I've seen everybody, a lot of different people doing this type of thing. And it's just common courtesy. Yeah, people uh, I are guess... out to have fun. And that's right. what this
2: thing's all about, is
3: having so fun.
4: We're not out there to start a fight. So, yeah, thanks for the call, exactly. Mike.
3: Exactly. Yeah, thanks, Mike. good day, Mike. guys. Yep. All right, well, yep. I guess it's time, folks. So, stay tuned. We got uh, Dale's Stroschein coming on board right after the break here. So uh, we'll find out more about his walleye schools and what's going up on the Bay of Green Bay. So stay tuned for more of the Wacky Walleye Cutting Edge Outdoors.
4: To the Wacky Walleyes, cutting edge outdoors. Uh, we got our last uh, half hour of our show, so hopefully, hopefully, we still got you with us. Thank our listeners for being there for us, and each and every week. And uh, we do have—do we have uh, our caller there, uh, Sam? Yes, we do. He's on the line. Okay, I think we got Mr. Dale Strowshine, Let's go to him. Good morning, gentlemen.
3: Yeah, uh, good morning, morning Dale. Dale.
4: <laughs> so what's happening up on the bay? You got things happening. This is the big, big, big exciting time of the year, the big spring uh, spring fishing. You got walleye schools, uh, all kinds of stuff. Tell us what's going on.
5: Well, right now, uh, you know, the water opened up, which is nice because uh, this is this is my only downtime of the season. Uh, and with with that being said, I'm sitting to you, uh, talking to you in Fort Myers, Florida and uh, enjoying a little warm weather before I get going uh, up there in, in Sturgeon Bay. But, uh, you know, at this time of the year, it's always a great thing. You know, I mean, I'm always excited. It's, it's, even though it was a short winter, winters are always longer and longer. Uh, to me, it seems, just because I'm getting older and uh, I'm uh, getting a little wore out with the winter stuff, but uh, the open water is here, and when I get home uh, – you know, things are going to start happening, so I'll get, get the boat put together. You know, every year I pick up a brand-new boat, and uh, so we'll be getting, as soon as I get home, uh, I believe we leave on, like, the 11th for Missouri, Springfield, Missouri. We'll be heading down there, and uh, we're going to pick up the new boat. We'll get that back home, and then uh, we've got a walleye school starting. Uh, as soon as I get back from picking up the boat, that one will be starting on April 16th through the 18th. And then uh, we'll be running that school, and I'll be guiding in between and waiting for the next school starting on April 23rd to the 25th, you know, for uh, walleye. So it'll be busy, busy, busy again, and that's why I always like this time, guys, because it's the only time where I really get to spend uh, doing something with my wife and just some quality time for her and I, you know, to be together.
3: Hey, Dale, this is Tom. I got a question. During your walleye school, uh, I know you have classes, like indoors, explaining things, but do you take people out on the water as well, or your your guiding staff, take them out on the water?
5: Yeah, so what ends up happening there, uh, Tom, is this. Um, you know, we, we go through all the classrooms, so just so people understand what that is, basically what I'm going to try to do is, you know, just build up your your a better grassroots foundation for the angler, uh, just on how and where and when to fish uh, type of thing, and then share a lot of the secrets that, you know, of my success, uh, if you will, and and my years of experience with them, and then uh, as well as teach them how to fish the Sturgeon Bay Area. And that's kind of up to themselves. So we'll go through maps and stuff, and I'll mark things up. And uh, many of times I am out on the water, and myself along with some of our other guys so if they've got questions and they see us they can come up and talk to us but typically what will end up happening is in the evening then we get back together and uh that's when we'll go through a lot of the question and answer we do breakout sessions so we'll go through on how to tie hair jigs and we'll go through how to tie knots and and uh how to tune crankbaits and just some some fundamentals that that many people don't know it's kind of like ice fishing you know the reason i I do a lot of my live videos on ice safety is because people just don't know. And uh, we always assume, you know, you, you look at Facebook, you know, we always just assume that when somebody goes through the ice, they should have known better. You, well, yeah, they, they maybe should have, but they, they really didn't know. And without us, you know, people like myself helping others and trying to educate them, um, you know, things like that are going to happen until you experience that yourself, you know, unfortunately.
3: Yeah, you got a point there.
5: So, so Dale,
4: now, you mentioned uh, you mentioned tying hair jigs. I know they use, use those for the smallies up there, uh, but would you be using those for spring walleye, or can you tell us some of the tactics that you're going to be using in your school?
5: Yeah, so, you know, the big thing, uh, Dan, what we're doing with the school is, uh, you know, again, Really working with them either on trolling techniques and going through on how to troll for walleyes. You know, that's something that uh, that I cut my teeth with. That's where I made a lot of money fishing competitively. You know, I fished competitively for 15 years, uh, traveling all over. And, and growing up on the Great Lakes, that's what I was. I was a troller. And I slowly progressed into other, uh, other techniques, uh, live bait. And then uh, inevitably, you know, went over to even the most finesse style type of fishing, which I think is the absolute most deadliest, is jig fishing. And that's what we do almost exclusively today. And that's something I share with everybody on how to work these different jigs, you know, whether it's a hair jig or whether it's a jig with a plastic tail or uh, a twister tail or whatever it is, a, a swim bait, uh, you know, etc. So or a, a blade bait or a lipless bait, you know, but we'll go through a lot of different jigging cadences and jigging, jigging techniques. And uh, yes, by all means, I think a hair jig, uh, is something that kind of got shelved, you know, years ago and, uh, it's coming back more and more. And, and, uh, it's like a blade bait, you know, guys for many years, um, went, used, used to use blade baits and then they just kind of got shelved and collected dust. And now you see more and more people again. It's, it's, it's just like bell bottom pants. You know we used to have bell bottoms. Now you look at some of the, 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 the styles today with the most beautiful women and they're wearing bell bottoms you know and stuff like that. It's like this stuff just comes back. And the moral of that story is I really think that some of our things that we learned early on uh, we haven't been able to better. you know we, we try to with some of these technologies, but it really comes down to going old school a lot of times with this stuff. When it comes to fishing, you're not going to shortcut fishing. It's going to be all about details, going old school and having a great foundation. And these are the things that uh, I'm going to share with with the people that attend the schools.
3: i got a quick question, Dale. Um, When it comes to the hair jigs, do you like the bucktail or the marabou hair?
5: Yeah, now, you know, that's a really good question because to me that's, Tom, there is a, a, a... a real big difference uh, between those. So for the walleyes, I'm I'm almost exclusively a hair jig guy uh, that with the bucktails, and uh, you know the smallmouth, I will either go bucktail or marabou, and I think there's a difference. So to me, you know, when you go to the bucktails, they're a little more aggressive. I think when you go over to the marabou, um, they're either really cold or they're really off. So. Um, There, there is a difference, and that was a great question. Okay. So let let me ask you this, Dale. Now,
4: uh, as far as retrieves with the jigs, I had heard that several of the guys who did really well in that Sturgeon Bay Spring Bass Tournament were using hair jigs, and uh, it was pretty much just a steady, straight retrieve. And when I think of a jig, I think of trying to do all kinds of jazz, hop it, pause it, jerk it. Whatever. What's your thoughts on working jigs, or are there a number of different ways that you got to try and see what's working?
5: Well, and you're exactly, you know, the last part of that, Dan, you're exactly right. So, you know, there is really no wrong way of working it. I always tell people to play to your strength. And, um, you know, the one thing I will share is when things aren't working, you have to change it up. And that's where people struggle, you know, they, and it's only because they don't have a good enough foundation. And, um, but you have to have other ways to do it. And, um, you know, there's days where the fish are more aggressive, and uh, you you may be able to, you know, do it one way, and then there's days where the fish are more negative, you know, uh, whether it's an uh, east wind or we've had a lot of bad weather move in, you know, that turns the fish off. And at that point, you have to make adaptations. It's up to us, you know. It's the one thing I always say that I've really taken away from my competitive fishing career you know, 15 years out there, and i fished all over the country, and I've fished some of the worst conditions that Mother Nature's ever thrown at us, but never, ever once when I went to a land where there are no fish being brought up to the scales, so that taught me early on that fish always bite. It's up to us to make the, the changes, and, uh, you know, that's where you got to have, you know, you got to have a lot of different types of uh, cadences. You have to have different types of jigs, like Tom had mentioned, you know, the buck the buck hair versus the, uh, you know, the deer hair versus the, uh, the marabou, um, you know, and, and when and when not to use those types of things. And those are the types of things that I really try to go through with in my walleye schools or the bass school. And for those of you that are listening, we do have a bass school coming up on May 21st through the 23rd. So, again, those schools are April 16th through the 18th, the 23rd through the 25th for the walleye, and then May 21st through the 23rd uh, for those bass schools. And we just, it's a great camaraderie. People come back year after year because they meet people, uh, during these schools, uh, that they enjoy their company. And, you know, we give away tons of prizes during these schools and people hopefully will walk away with, uh, like I said, a better grassroots roots foundation, because when it comes down to being a more successful angler, it's only because you're starting to pay attention to details, And that's what I try to walk through in these schools is how to pay attention to details.
3: You know, Dale, it sounds to me like your schools are teaching uh, anglers how to be Boy Scouts, to be prepared, to be able to change their tactics, to use different lures, to do different areas, to to know what's going on in that water, you know? I think that's what you're teaching people, to be prepared for anything.
5: Yeah, and I mean, it it really is, Tom, because... uh, that's what it's all about. Um, I, I mean, when I go out every day, I mean, every day I go out on a guy trip, I have to be prepared, and that's really what I love about my job is every day is going to be different. Uh, you know, I mean, I might go out there being well-prepared to throw a net rig for the smallmouth and end up, you know, throwing a swim bait, you know, and find out that's what they're going to want for the day. And, uh, you know, it's, it's difficult to discipline yourself, to go away from, and you people that fish, guys and gals, you know exactly what I'm talking about right now because I've lived that for many of years. It's difficult to go away from our strength and that's because we have confidence in it. And what I try to really get through to you when you come to these schools is we need to build confidence in everything. You just can't go out and play around the golf, guys and gals. And use your one wood for the entire game. Even though that's the best club that you use that you hit the ball with, <laughs> you're never going to be a good golfer. You have to be able to play your irons and your woods if you're ever going to play scratch golf or become a better
3: golfer. So uh, how, how are you liking the f- uh, weather down in Florida right now?
5: <laughs> oh, boy, I'll tell you what. its uh, it, We've really been you know, pretty blessed. I mean, it's uh, a little cool in the morning, but uh, that's okay. It, it it's been up in the 70s and uh you know we're going to see the 80s the rest of the week here so we still have a number of days and um i'm i'm excited just like i said to be down here relaxing because like i said uh when i get back it's going to be game on run down pick up that boat uh you know and, and you guys know one of my other guides Dave Olson you know he's just super excited because uh he just bought a brand new boat this year Uh, He's got a Nitro ZV-21 with a 400, so I know Dave's going to be out there, uh, you know, getting his new boat broken in, and uh, he'll be picking that up from all out marine here real soon. And uh, so all my guys got their Nitro ZV-21s, and uh, we're ready to go for this season. I mean, uh, we're going to be locked and loaded, and uh, we're going to be rolling out the red carpet for every one of our customers and anybody that attends our schools. And, uh, you know, I've always said this, guys, it's always, my motto has been it should always be harder uh, to lose a customer than to ever gain one. And that's, uh, that's what I'm going to live and die by when it comes down to this fishing.
3: Well, Dale, we appreciate you taking some time out of your uh, day down there in Florida to being on the air with us. Uh, people can uh, Google Wacky Walleye, right, and uh, they'll get to your place to sign up for those schools, Correct.
5: Correct, correct. And otherwise, you know, just give us a call at uh, my wife, nine two zero seven four three five seven three one, 743 Or they can email us, Tom or Dan, at uh, dale at wackywalleye.com, all lowercase. And uh, if they have any questions or whatever it is on the schools. And, uh, you know, as I said, these schools are well attended each year. And uh, we have a lot of fun always with our, our guys and gals that attend.
3: All right. Well, okay. enjoy the rest of your vacation, Dale. And we'll Thanks, talk Dale. to you maybe when you get back, all right?
5: All right, guys. Hey, listen, uh, you guys take care, and thank you guys for all that you do.
3: All right. No Thanks, problem. Dale. Thanks, man. Take care. Bye now. Bye. And with that, folks, we're going to go to the last break of the day. We'll be right back with more of the Wacky Walleye's Cutting Edge Outdoors.
4: welcome back to the final segment of the wacky walleyes cutting edge outdoors and uh we want to thank dale Stroshine for joining us and would encourage our listeners if you want to have a good time at a great resort you know dale talks about fishing but he never talks about the it doesn't have enough time i guess to talk about the beautiful resort and accommodations that you have when you go up for one of those schools so uh I would highly suggest shooting for either the walleye ones, or if you want to wait till it gets a little bit warmer, let me tell you, whacking those smallmouths in late May, I'll be doing that, my friends. That's a great time, too.
3: Yeah, as a matter of fact, I do have a fishing report on the Rock River. A uh, lot of boats, of course, on the river. And just to remind people that there's a 18-inch size limit and a three-fish bag limit on the Rock River right now. And you don't need a boat to catch walleyes. Uh, there are people catching lots of walleyes from shore. Somewhere along the Blackhawk Road, I don't know exactly where, but I think I gave you a little information there along the Blackhawk Road. And uh, so, yeah, that's doing pretty good over there.
4: You know, it, it maybe it's kind of a moot point to say that they're getting a lot of walleyes on the bay, but they're getting a lot of walleyes on the bay. Here's the, uh, <laughs> the DNR report. Here's yeah. the DNR report. It says the walleye are biting in Green Bay. Their Creel Clerk working the O'Connell River area reports heavy fishing pressure this past week. Of course, we talked about that pressure. Uh, anglers are fishing just north of the mouth of the of the river along the shoreline. The most action is occurring in areas of warmer water and depths of five to ten feet. Rip and wraps and jigging plastics are working best, and early morning seems to produce. And our friend Dave Olson. He will be fishing in that area, and I had a friend with him. Uh, my buddy Komar fished with him, I think, last year, and uh, it was amazing how Dave used his hummingbird electronics and side imaging to locate the fish and then came back kind of like a milk run working those spots. So he'd go and locate the fish first, and uh, maybe one of these days, too, we can have uh, Dale call and talk a little bit about electronics because I'm sure... For, he has to be on the cutting edge, and maybe he could enlighten some of our listeners, and even myself. I'd like to learn more about what he likes to use and and what because now you got down imaging, side imaging, 360. You got it. You got imaging in front of the boat, the console. What do you use where? And but uh, <laughs> and the GPS to look at on one of the screens. You can split screens. There's lots of things you can do. So there's a lot to learn on the new electronics fishing frontier, I guess.
3: Yeah, and with Mediv- Dave what dale was talking about uh you know about you know old things turning around you know what goes around comes around i mean uh for years texas rig plastic worms were the way to go but then the wacky worm came out and everybody's using the wacky worm but you know what the texas worm rig worm still works great too same thing with blade baits for a while there the the blade baits were the thing and then and all of a sudden it went to you know the crank baits you know uh and then all of a sudden, lipless crankbaits. And then all of a sudden, now the blade baits are coming back. I mean, everything keeps turning around. And remember, uh, we were talking about uh, MEPs uh, spinners uh, uh, for the for muskies. You know, they're, they're muskie killers, the they're, they're double-hook muskie killers. I mean, uh, it seemed like people got away from the MEPs muskie killers. And then they were going to all the fancy bucktails that are out now. And now people are going back to the MEPs because they work. You know, years ago, they'll work again. So, I mean, things go around and come around, you know, but certain things stay. I, Spinner I baits, think... crankbaits, topwater baits, plastic worms, those will be, those have been around for 30, 40 years. They'll still be around 30, 40 years from now.
4: I, I think, you know, you do have to be flexible. Now, sometimes, you, you know, you wonder, well, you know, did the muskies get a, get acclimated To the double cowgirls, whereas when they first came out, that vibration turned them on, everybody was catching them on that. Then do they get conditioned, I guess, to it. So now going back to a single blade bucktail. I don't know. Maybe fish, anything. Pavlov's dogs, you know, behavior conditioning maybe maybe it happens i mean if you have a fly land on your land on your leg so many times and you try and raise your hand to swat it by the third time you just raise your hand up in the air and it flies away cuz it knows you're about ready to swat now they got a brain <laughs> the size of whatever yeah. so you know maybe fish get conditioned Or maybe there are certain feeding preferences. They fish just, you know, whether it's a forage thing that day or they just have a certain preference for a certain bait, sometimes even a certain color. But I think the key is whatever the reasons that it happens, you have to be willing to be flexible and change. My dad used to muskie fish with his old buddy Ralph. Ralph had caught a muskie, his first muskie ever, on a Cisco kid. The only bait, and I mean only bait that Ralph would throw in a three-day weekend fishing trip to Northern Wisconsin was a god dang Cisco kid. And you can't, this is what I think what Dale was alluding to. you can't get yourself stuck in that mentality. You got to be willing to switch it up. Now I'm not saying be crazy and switch you know baits every cast, but you do have to be flexible and try and be willing. And sometimes think outside the box.
3: Yeah, and, and, you know, it, it's like I I talk about years ago, I would talk about how anglers will have boxes and boxes gotcha. of lures, but how many do they really use? It's the ones they've had success with, you know. There's two or three or four that they're always going to go back to every time. Even though they've got all these other ones, you know, they got to buy the latest, greatest thing, they always go back to those same ones, and they're going to live and die with just those few lures, you know. And that's why I said before you got to be like a boy scout. You got to be prepared, you know, to change things up a little bit. So, yeah, that's about it. Well, listen, Danny, uh, getting to be about that time. Um, you got anything else to say? I'm about uh, talked out this morning.
4: Well, you know, I'll I'll, de- de- I'll decide whether I go up to the Bay of Green Bay walleye fishing or not. I, I'm getting older, Tom. It's it's kind of hard, but I did take my uh, crankbaits. And my super secret method was I put them in a bag with some smelt for a couple of weeks, and then I put them in the box. My whole box, when I open it up, it smells like smelt. But that's (laughs) going to catch me the next state record walleye, a crankbait that smells like a smelt.
3: All right. Well, good luck with that, Danny.
4: Always thinking, buddy. That's all I got. Me too.
2: To all the listeners, thanks for listening. And God bless and stay free, everyone.
4: You've been listening to Wacky Walleye's Cutting Edge Outdoors. It's spring. Let's get fishing, my friends. We'll talk to you next week.
1: We're free, like a river,
4: raging strong.